The Florida Gators spring game is now officially over. So we're going to talk about that. We got offense, then defense, and then we're going to wrap up. I'll be joined by John Garcia of Sports Illustrated and the Locked On Football Recruiting Insider, only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Happy Friday. I'm Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports. And before we get into today's content, just gonna ask you to like, subscribe, wherever you're listening. Uh, leave a comment, leave a review. Let me know what you think of the show. Let me know how you think I can make it better, whatever your opinion is. Uh, but getting into today's content, last night was the spring game, or at the time of recording this, um, about seven minutes ago was the spring game. So we're, we're going to talk about that. Um, I, I put up a poll of should I break it down by orange team, blue team, offense, defense, and most of the people said offense, defense. So offense, defense is what we're doing. Uh, we're going to start with the blue team offense because the blue team did win the game 34 to 0. Uh look, I'm I'm literally just gonna go in the order of my notes. So if they seem kind of all over the place, it's pretty much just the sequence of events. Uh the first note that I have is Lorenzo Lingard looks good at times. He he just he's got a nice little burst, nice little twitch. He's really working this wide zone. He, he's someone that I, I I'm really liking right now. Uh, Anthony Richardson on the first drive went five for six for 72 yards and a touchdown ton of zip on his passes, which we knew that would happen because he's a big arm, big body quarterback. Um, the first drive, he, he was pretty strong accuracy wise. Uh, I will skip a couple notes here to talk about that second drive because he was still very solid in terms of getting the ball to his receivers. But I would appreciate a little bit better placement and touch. And by that, I mean you could talk about the, uh, I believe it was Justin Shorter caught the slant. But when he caught the slant, he had to turn around and catch it like this, where that kind of stops your momentum and and that takes away yards after catch opportunities. Uh, So just connecting with targets is is what he did fine. He got the ball to the receivers that it had to go to. But in terms of placement, I would have appreciated instead instead of Justin Shorter catching it here, he catches it here or here in front of him um but in that second drive he kind of lost a little bit a a, a smidgen uh and that first incompletion that he threw was a deep pass down the sideline to justin shorter but it was uh a little out of reach i guess it was great defense as well so it was just it wasn't a bad ball at all and and here's the thing with andy richardson even when he's missing they're not really bad misses. Like you look at the first couple games last season when he was coming in in garbage time, when he was missing, they were bad misses, but he's improved significantly in terms of at least getting the ball generally near his target and generally in their catch radius. So that's something that, that was really impressive from last night's spring game. Uh, Jamarcus Weston had the first touchdown for the blue team or First touchdown of the game, orange team didn't score a touchdown. So first touchdown for the blue team. It was a nice little catch on a slant, catch and run. Um, as far as that goes, I will just briefly touch on that. Um, I just need to check my notes real quick to double check that I'm not adding this. Yeah, Kamar Wilcoxon. Is, I, I don't want to fault somebody else, but Kamar Wilcoxon, that was just a terrible play by him. Like He gave up a slant, which is fine, but 
I mean, wrap a dude up. Like, don't just throw your shoulder into him. And if you are going to throw your shoulder into him, make sure it's hard enough to knock him down. Um, in the second drive, they started breaking out the option plays, which is really fun, really cool. Dante Xanders impressed me last night because he really looked like a natural pass catcher. As a blocker, he didn't impress me at all. But as a pass catcher, he did impress me a ton. Noah Keeter had a nice little touchdown. catch. I mean, he also was the one that had a penalty to play before that. But nice little touchdown on the goal line. And they ran a concept that we've seen with Jim McElwain. We've seen a lot in college uh, in college offenses, but we haven't seen a ton from the Gators under Dan Mullen where it, it's a PA boot slide. So quarterback fakes the handoff and rolls to his right. In this case, AR rolls to his right. Nova Keeter starting on the left side of the formation splits across. So it looks like inside zone split, which if you guys know by now, you should know by now, I love. Um, and then instead of, AR keeping the ball, he just checks it down to the flat. Tight end gets a free run. It, it's an awesome offense, an awesome play, awesome scheme. Uh, Cincinnati ran it a lot with Desmond Ritter as their quarterback, but looks like Florida is going to add it too, which is fine. That that happens with a lot of 12 personnel teams. Uh, Anthony Richardson did try connecting on a hitch that was maybe 12 yards downfield to Xavier Henderson and the opposite hash but was just a little too high, and uh, Xavier Henderson just couldn't reel that one in. Xavier Henderson was the player fielding punts for the blue team. Um, Quarterback tackles were a little weird in this game, where it seemed like there were multiple times where a defender would touch the quarterback with one or two hands and assume that was the end of the play, and the whistle just wouldn't blow. It was very weird. It happened with Anthony Richardson's rushing touchdown. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, it was Trey Dean, that touched him near like the two-ish yard line and then just like put his hands up and was looking at the ref and the ref didn't blow the whistle. Uh, and I, I believe it was trading. It might've been Rashad Torrance a second. It was one of the starting safeties. I know that. Um, and it happened with Jack Miller too, where they just didn't blow the whistle at times where it seemed like they should have. Carlos the real Wilson came in to start the fourth quarter, but again, it was a lot of handoffs at that point because it was a blowout. Uh, Justin Curtis, the wide receiver, uh, from Stanford, he uh, he did impress me a little bit in soft hands. Downfield blocking was an impressive thing. That's not something that you're really going to get on the field for at Florida, but it, it, it was a nice thing to see. Uh, I feel like something like that kind of shows a little bit of just um, special teams capability, so keep an eye on that with Justin Curtis. Carlos Real Wilson did do a good job of recognizing pressure and where it was coming from but he does not know how to navigate the pocket yet. He's just not good at that. And Anthony Richardson came back in late in the game, a little over two minutes left. Uh, less notes for the orange offense. Obviously, it was less uh, momentous, I guess. Uh, Dejon Reynolds got involved in the offense early. Demarcus Bowman played quite a bit out wide, not even in the slot. He was either in the backfield or out wide, which is something that was interesting to note, whether it was screen, screens, um, throwing, throwing deep. We saw that happen every now and then. Uh Jaquavian Frazier's, he got targeted downfield early and often against Jalen Kimber, and he found a solid bit of success. Uh, that, that was something that they kept going back to a few times. It was a solid drive to start the game for the Orange team. Jack Miller, the third, he did seem to panic a little bit under pressure. We could point out the play where Dewan Black had an insane pass broken up, almost an interception, where Jack Miller was rolling to his right. Pressure was closing in. I, I couldn't see from who, uh, and there weren't a lot of replays, and it was ESPN Plus, so it's a horrible interface. Um, but 
a little bit of pressure came in and he kind of just heaved it and it, it was a terrible play. Um, we saw a few solid runs from the orange team. Jack Miller III did do a good job of keeping his eyes downfield when he was scrambling. We're going to revisit, revisit that play a little bit later when we get to the defensive segment. Uh, but Jack Miller also had a beautiful pass to a Keon Zipper that was running a crossing route. It was great. And here's something with tight ends. Um, I believe it was Zach Goodall mentioned it where he was like, oh, like, like Keon Zipper is running with the orange team, which I'm thinking as the twos. And I said, like, I was like, I, I think that they kind of threw him in there as a starter on the orange team to be a uh, kind of kind of a talent gap closer, maybe would be the term there. Um, and, and he played a great game. Dante Zanders also played a very good game as a pass catcher. DeMarcus Bowman got involved in the passing game a lot. I have written, I have lots of, lots of play action, lots of screens and deeper passes. Like we expected that intermediate kind of range gets a little bit ignored. Um, which I mean, hey, as long as it's working, I don't care. Uh, Jack Miller, the third forced the ball into triple coverage in which Donovan McMillan intercepted it in the back of the end zone. So there was uh there there was there was that. Um Frazier's back at it again versus Kimber is what I have written down because Jaquavin Frazier's did have a very good game against Jalen Kimber. There were a few incompletions that were just uh improperly placed, but they were poorly thrown footballs. Uh Jaquavin Frazier's did make some good plays. Jalen Kimber made some solid plays as well. We'll revisit him. Uh Jalen Kitna came in in the fourth quarter, fumbled his first snap. He did throw a deep ball to to Taylor Spirito. But incomplete on a questionable no call for defensive pass interference. And Jalen Kitna underthrew a deep ball down the sideline that Jalen Kimber intercepted. And that was pretty much it for the Orange team's offense. We're about to talk about the defensive side of the ball for both teams. First, I'll talk to you guys about Bilt Bar because it's spring break time. It's spring game time. Uh, and you, you got to get in shape if you aren't yet for summertime because I am still trying to get there. If you got to get fit, you got to eat healthy. Make sure to include Bilt Bar in your in your diet. It's just a smart thing to do. I've got a horrible sweet tooth. You guys all know this by now. That's something that I've been very open with. Uh, but Bilt Bar helps me with that because it's coated in 100% chocolate. So it, it, it hits that sweet tooth. Most bars have 130 calories, just four net carbs, along with 17 grams of protein. Throw out the hidden stashes, Reese in the Jess drawer, Kit Kat in the cupboard, Snickers in the whatever, Swedish fish in the whatever. I don't care. Just get Built Bar. You don't got to feel bad. You don't got to sneak around. You don't got to feel guilty. Built Bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors so that you will never get bored. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order at Built or BuiltBar.com. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Um, we're, we're talking about the defensive side of the ball now, and I, I have slightly less notes on the defensive side of the ball. I realize the offensive side ran a little longer than usual, but defense, I had less notes mainly because I was watching the quarterback play a lot. That's the big thing with the Florida Gators is, is the starting quarterback battle, um, which has been decided at this point. I'm totally fine saying like, I've been saying for a while, it should be Anthony Richardson. I've been saying the past couple weeks, it looks like it's going to be Anthony Richardson. And after the spring game, it's Anthony Richardson. <laughs> um, I, I don't know how, uh, how you could just go into that game and go, it should be anybody else. Like it, it's Anthony Richardson. He played a phenomenal spring game. He, he was, he's a gamer. It's simple as that. Uh, looking at the blue team defense first, because again, winning team, Mordecai McDaniel and Donovan, McM- and Donovan McMillan started at safety. That was something that we discussed yesterday of saying, who's it going to be there? There's quite a few names out there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of names in the group. 
it is Mordecai McDaniel and Donovan McMillan were the two starting safeties on the field. And by starting, I mean they were there the first play. So simple as that. Uh, I would say that when when I did catch anything on the defensive line, Lloyd Summerall looked like compared to last season he added some weight. That's not a bad thing. Like it, it looks like clean weight. It looks like good weight. Like he's he's not fat. He just looks a little thicker, which is totally fine. That that's great. Um, so we'll say he added a little bit of weight there, which is again fine. That that's good. You're playing defensive line, so that that's phenomenal. Uh, Dewan Black almost had that diving interception against Jack Miller when Jack Miller kind of panicked. And that's why some of these notes are going to be a little over the place. Um, but again, I'll callbacks, you know. Uh, Jalen Kimber, he, he played tight coverage, and he, he did play pretty well all night. The thing that bothered me, or played pretty well all game, uh, the thing that bothered me with him was he is really bad at turning his head to make a play on the ball, which is way easier said than done, by the way. Like, if you've never played DB, shut up about it then. Um but there's a certain extent because, you know, you can't expect the guy to have eyes in the back of his head and always have his head turned. But there were multiple times where Jack Miller III would throw the ball to Jaquavian Frazier's covered by Jalen Kimber, and Jalen Kimber just would not turn his head. And I feel like at a certain point, you've got to adjust because, like I said, like, I played DB. I've been there. I played corner and safety. I've, I've been there before in terms of not getting your head around and trying to just keep your eyes on the man and, and not being able to uh, track the ball, which is totally fine. That happens. But at a certain point, when you realize that they're kind of targeting you a little bit, you've got to just be quicker to pull that trigger there. So that's something he's got to work on. It's not a, it's not a killer. It's just something that you need to develop. Uh, Derek Wingo did a fantastic job on a play where I mentioned Jack Miller. He kept size downfield as he was trying to scramble and kind of create something. Derek Wingo destroyed that play because Derek Wingo, he he kept shifting between Jack Miller III and Montrell Johnson uh, in the sense of he would he would fade back to Montrell Johnson to cut off the pass and he would run up to Jack Miller III to cut off the run and kind of make Jack Miller hesitate. Um, caused a little bit of indecision and that, that led to a, a, a sack or at least a very close tackle for, or at least a very short gain for a tackle. Jordan Young was flying to the ball, making solid tackles all night. He had a very impressive night. I don't know the reasoning for some guys playing both sides of the ball, but Jordan or playing both teams, Jordan Young lit it up the entire time. He, he played phenomenally. Donovan McMillan had that interception where Jack Miller the third kind of just chucked it into triple coverage. Donovan McMillan was the guy that walked away. He had a nice little gritty after, so it was really fun. I love seeing character on the team. Tyreek Sapp uh, in the third quarter, I believe it was the third quarter, maybe the fourth, uh, demolished Demarcus Bowman in the backfield, and it, it was one of those plays where Demarcus Bowman took the handoff and just got wrecked. Like he had no chance to make a play, but Tyreek Sapp demolished him, uh, forced a fumble. I think Tyreek Sapp had an overall good night. Again, I'm gonna watch the game multiple times this weekend. I got a little bit of free time to do that, so I'm gonna watch the game multiple times this weekend. Maybe next week I'll have a another updated my prediction death chart or not even prediction just what i would do maybe i'll have a prediction one whatever i don't care <laughs> we'll figure it out at that point but tyree sap big game uh i think he's someone who's gonna find his way at, at least on the field a little bit more this year the orange team defense kamar wilcoxon gave up that slant on the first touchdown for the blue team which again giving up the slant i don't care about especially because it looked kind of rpoe uh, so it's very quick. It's very hard, to, very hard to stop that, especially when you're coming from the slot. It, it's just very difficult.
But Kamar Wilcox, he gave up that slant, which I don't care about. But after that, really, really bothered me because he just sprinted into uh, Jamarcus Weston and just threw his shoulder into him. But, I mean, that gave up the touchdown because he didn't make the tackle. And at that point, like I said, I believe I said it earlier, it's it, it you have to either wrap the man up and make the tackle and don't care about the big hit, or you've got to put that shoulder into him hard enough to make sure he hits the ground. And Kamar Wilcoxon didn't do that. I'm fine with either way. Hard-hitting safeties have their place in football, so that's fine by me, but you got to make sure that you hit him hard enough. Uh, I couldn't see who did it, but there was one point where Anthony Richardson was in the backfield and he threw the ball in the red zone and a defensive lineman deflected it or a linebacker, someone along the line of scrimmage. It might have been Amari Bernie. Um, I feel like I saw number two celebrating, so it might have been Amari Bernie. But again, don't know for sure. Uh, Amari Bernie, he, he did get shook at one point by Montreal Johnson, which was it was a nice little juke. Uh, so he got in there. The interior defensive line did not impress me here. That's not super surprising. But, but yeah, it just it wasn't very impressive right here. I didn't really expect it to be a big defensive line heavy game. I didn't expect them either team to run the ball as much as they did either. I kind of thought that you know they had uh, reported forty five thousand fans in attendance. You had a ton of recruits. I kind of thought they'd be like, you know what, air it out. Let's have some fun. And it was also assistant coaches calling the plays, so I feel like assistant coaches tend to be a little bit more fun. But that's not what we saw. Um, a lot of runs. Interior D line did not look great. Desmond Watson is still, still, still someone that I am so high on his potential, but he has just not put it together at all for me right now. I'm still waiting for him to pop as an impact player. Jervon Dexter with a nice rush at Anthony Richardson. He did a great job of making of taking a good angle to cut off Anthony Richardson because he's obviously a very athletic quarterback. So he cut him off so that Anthony Richardson could not scramble, which he was doing quite a bit of. Um, which no problem with that. Des- also with uh, Javon Dexter, he looked pretty lean. Uh, like he looked like his stomach kind of cleaned up a little bit and kind of, I don't want to say filled out because he, he thinned out, but he, he looked like his stomach leaned out a little bit. He looked like he was moving the same as last year, maybe a little quicker, but he, he he's looking good right now. Uh, Jason Marshall Jr. Was the, one f- was the one fielding punts for the Orange team. And Amari Bernie looked like he injured his left wrist after tackling, I believe it was Dante Zanders towards the very end of the game. Uh, it looked like his left wrist or his left shoulder because he had his arm down completely, which makes me think it might have been shoulder, but he was holding his wrist. But at the same time, he could have also been trying to pop the shoulder back in place if it delocated or dislocated. Wow. Uh, wow, that was horrible. But we're going to wrap up today's show by talking about or talking with John Garcia, Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting and Locked On's uh, Recruiting Insider. In just a minute, but first I'm talking to you guys about Bet Online because March Madness is over, unfortunately. NBA playoffs play in. I don't care. It's all playoffs to me. Here, MLB is here. NFL draft is here, and you can bet on it. I've been using Bet Online for years. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. It's got so much, not just basketball, baseball, football, heck, not even just sports. It's got reality TV, award shows. Um, politics, economics, anything you want, and so much more than anything you want, because aliens would have never been a thing that I would have wanted, but it's there. Head to the website today or use your mobile device, which is kachow, to learn all about the trends and action. Check out Bet Online. It's where the game starts. All right, and we are back with Locked On Gators. Joining me is John Garcia, 
the director of football recruiting for Sports Illustrated and Locked On's recruiting insider. John, we're, we're going to talk about some Florida Gators football here because we know that Florida fans have been kind of panicking a little bit about only having one commit in the 2023 class, which will be Billy Napier's first class as a full with the full offseason ahead of him, just everything going for his recruiting. Um, do you think Gators fans should be a little worried about only having one commit? Not at all, Brandon. This is the new age of recruiting. You know, only three programs in the country have 10 or more verbal commitments to date in the class of 23. And look at look at back to the class of 22, right? Billy Napier gets the job, and it's a meticulous, very narrow search for those last few pieces of the class. And it worked out incredibly well. Florida signed the most SI-99 recruits after Napier was hired. So he closed on three new, very, very hotly contested recruiting battles with big wins, including Dante Moore, Kamari Wilson, and, and one more. So the, the way he finished 22 was, was really the focus. So the class of 23 got the short end of the stick because Napier wasn't onto that class like a lot of these other schools had the, the ability to move on to because he was just getting the job and settling in. So now we're seeing Florida catch up in the class of 23. We just saw the spring game visitor list, and my goodness, there is no issue with Florida getting elite recruits on campus. Uh, the whole IMG crew was there. Cormani McLean was there. And we've seen a lot of big-time recruits roll through Florida throughout the entirety of the spring, not only in the class of 23, but also in 24. So I think if you look around the state, there's not a whole lot of commits going down anywhere. I think Miami has five, Florida State five or six. So it's not like the schools that have had more tenured coaches are well out in front of the Gators. And look, volume doesn't matter as much in this time of year either, right? The spring evaluation period is just about to kick off as well. So Napier and company will hit the road at the end of April into May and really get fresh looks at a lot of top recruits. So I really wouldn't worry about the early start to the recruiting class. It's more about who you've gotten on campus and who you're in the mix for if you're a Florida Gator fan. And Florida is in the mix for basically all of the top in-state recruits. And they're doing really well outside of the region as well, dipping into Louisiana, Alabama, and Georgia as usual. So I do think this class will be strong for Florida. They're in the mix for all of the top kids already. Um, and the spring game will bring a ton of visitors to campus. So by the time some people might listen to this, there could even be a new verbal commitment or two. So definitely no reason to panic. I mean, Alabama's got three commits right now. I mean, nobody's really going crazy in recruiting in terms of accepting verbal commitments right now. Billy Napier is trying to figure out what he has on the field at the same time. So no reason to panic. This class will be just fine uh, going forward. And, and look, black uniforms are coming, right? So, I mean, look. <laughs> It's it's going to be fine on the recruiting front. I urge everyone to read um, my colleague Richard Johnson's piece on Billy Napier. After spending time with him, he's very confident in the future of, of the Gator program, and, and I align with him on that. Yeah, I mean, you just mentioned the black uniforms, like Drip Kings, Florida Gators. That, that's what we're going for now. But uh, there was one name that you mentioned that I kind of want to circle back to a little bit, and that was Cormani McLean, the cornerback who is just so highly touted right now. Uh, what what is your feel of him? Because I know that Florida fans, there's some that that I I know some people are like, oh, he's a super athlete, and some are like, no, he's technically refined. So Gators fans are just just relaying a whole bunch of information to each other that could or could not be accurate. So wh where are you at on him? I love him. Uh, I mean, he's he's six foot two, borderline six three at this point. 
just an elite football player. You know, he's he's still new to the secondary, but he had double-digit interceptions as a junior last year, a great receiver as well. Just everything you want in a modern cornerback, a guy you can ask to play multiple positions if needed, and he's got some inexperience there. So when it does come to the technique, and you think about a guy like a Corey Raymond on staff at UF, if he picks the Gators, I mean, that's going to accelerate things really quickly uh, should Cormani jump in. And, and look, he was there for the spring game. And ahead of the spring game, you got to like this if you're a Gator fan. He says, I'm going to go, quote, unquote, home to see the Gators spring game. I mean, anytime you're recruiting a Floridian, I mean, look, he's a Polk County kid. We know what the Gators have done in that county. You know, that's a big deal to sell that home angle for, for any Floridian. So Florida's got that advantage with McLean. Miami's in it. Alabama's in it. I mean, heck, BYU is in it. This is a, a wild recruitment that can really go in any direction. But if he does want to stay closer to home, he is calling the, the Gator angle that home angle. And, and that is invaluable in the recruiting game. So on the field, he's probably the most coveted non-quarterback in America. And then in recruiting, you know, he considers your school the home school. So I think that's a huge advantage. I mean, Gators fans will lose their minds if Cormani McLean comes to Florida because or comes to Gainesville because they absolutely love him right now. But uh, just you mentioned he's one he's the highly touted cornerback, the, the highly touted non quarterback in this class. There's so many other names here in Gainesville, but I, I want to branch out a little bit because you mentioned talking about Floridians and saying they're coming home and keeping keeping that in state, but. One worry, I guess, with Florida fans is branching out because we, we know that we can recruit in Louisiana. We've got Billy Napier, we've got Corey Raymond, we've got that. We know that we can recruit in Florida. We are we are Florida. Like, like we're not Florida State. We're not Miami. We are the state of Florida. Um, <laughs> but what does that mean for branching out with this staff and Billy Napier coming from a group of five program to try to bring in recruits from far and wide? Yeah, I mean, I think you look at where else Billy Napier came from, right? I mean, how many coaches have that Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney pedigree to pull from? You know, Billy Napier is one of the few who's, who's worked for both. Uh, and then since he branched off to become a head coach, I mean, nothing but success uh, at, at Louisiana. And, and he obviously had a lot of overtures from other programs to become their head coach that he said no to, to, to be a Florida Gator. So that should create uh, some, some real stability and excitement for what he's doing there at UF. Look, this is a massive support staff. I know any Gator outlet, you know, you, you read, not just SI or, or all Gators with my guy, Zach Adal. Any outlet you read, I mean, it is just like every day there's a new staffer being hired. Um, and, and Billy talked a lot about uh, how meticulous that is. So that includes the recruiting department. And that to me means that this is not going to be chalk. This is not gonna be, hey, we're just gonna focus on the state of Florida or even the SEC footprint, I think it's going to go well beyond. The Gators are going to splash in Texas. They're going to splash in the Northeast, play the DMV a little bit, and they're going to shoot their shot on the West Coast uh, because in this this recruiting class of 23, kids can begin taking official visits in April. The rest will start taking them in June. Uh, so those kids from outside of the region are, are going to want to come down to sunny Florida and see what it has to offer. So I do think that the staff's going to have a capability of recruiting outside of the Florida and even the SEC footprint when all is said and done. I, I think when we're, we're so close to our programs, right? Look, I'm a Floridian, right? I get it. When we're so close to our programs, we think that the, the, the path is narrow and the view and the perception is narrow. But that Gator logo, the Gator brand, those colors, right? 
people know what, what that means on the football front. And you can even liken it to certain positions, right? You know, if you're a secondary prospect in Texas or California, you know about the Florida reputation in the secondary. And then you brought in arguably the most notable secondary coach in the country. So are you telling me Corey Raymond's not going to be able to go to Pasadena, California and recruit a kid and at least get him on campus for a visit so the Gators can shoot their shot? I would be shocked if that weren't the case. So I think that it's going to be a national recruiting base for the Gators. But when you're located in Florida, you do get the luxury of focusing on home just a little bit more. All right. Thank you so much, John. And expect to see John here a lot more often, the director of football recruiting for Sports Illustrated, Locked On's recruiting insider. And John, yeah, thank you so much. We're going to have you again next week. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back Monday with more on your Florida Gators. I'm going to let you go know now, if you stuck around to the very end, uh, big week next week. We've got a couple interviews that we're hoping to get in. So just, just so you know, big week. Now make your second listen, Lockdown NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports. That is W-H-O-L-E-N-I-N-E Sports. And I'll see you all tomorrow.